Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. What a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Match Day FM Prem Talk as we look back on game week six in the Premier League. My name's Chris Coughlin and joining me for this episode is Harry Reynolds, how are you doing H? I'm good thanks, how are you Coughlin? Not bad at all, sir. Not bad at all. I have to say, considering the quite frantic start we've had to the Premier League season, it was a bit of a quiet weekend overall in comparison, wasn't it, even with still some major talking points? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely still got a lot to talk about. Um, less goals, which seems to be a little bit more relaxed than what it was. I mean, that, that basically every game last week had both teams to score, and, and there's a, a few that didn't this week, which... Um, Seems like some normality has been restored, but uh, yeah, plenty still going on and, and lots of talking points. Yeah, I remember well earlier on today uh, when we were discussing about uh, this episode, uh, our colleague Joe Richardson, uh, who's been on several of our podcasts, he said uh, it was strange to feel like we had we had one regular weekend of the Barclays, which uh, it, it did feel like that. I don't think I don't think that's such a thing. No. a regular weekend of Barclays. No, it it will never happen. Quite frankly, simply. Um, I'll just round up the the weekend's uh, results, starting with the Friday night game, Aston Villa nil, Leeds United 3. That's a game that we're going to come on to very shortly. Aston Villa's 100% record going. Uh, West Ham United 1, Manchester City 1 kicked off the Saturday. Then it was Fulham 1, Crystal Palace 2. Fulham's woes continue. Uh, Manchester United nil, Chelsea nil. I remember uh, Stotty and Keymac on the last podcast were saying about how it's a game... What once was once a title decider, not so much nowadays, but obviously could get back to those former glories in the future. Liverpool to Sheffield United one, going back to winning ways in the Premier League for Liverpool after three matches without one. Uh, Southampton to Everton nil, Everton's unbeaten record going. That's a game we'll touch on as well later on. Wolverhampton Wanderers won, Newcastle won at Molyneux, Arsenal nil, Leicester won. Big result that for Brendan Rodgers. Brighton won, West Bromwich Albion won, and then Burnley nil, Tottenham won in the final game of the weekend with Son and Kane combining yet again, and that is something we'll be talking about later on as well. I think it's fair to say as well, H, that one other nickname we could uh, give to this weekend was uh, the, the FPL nightmare or the FPL disaster. And without sticking the knife in too much, you experienced it a bit more than others on uh, on Friday night uh, with, with the uh, Aston Villa-Leeds game. But it just kind of sums up how unpredictable the season is, isn't it? When Aston Villa can go and beat Liverpool 7-2 and then Leeds turn up after a disappointing result against Wolves and, and win 3-0. Yeah, and I, I certainly won't be leaving strikers on the... On the bench, oh. and can't see they ever again. I, I was yeah, I genuinely we, when I saw it. When, I was surprised yeah. when uh, when I first well, saw it. I mean, I've got so, so many weapons to see. I haven't been on top of the table, but it's hard <laughs> to fit them all in. But um, maybe doing that again. No, that's the the beauty of the Premier League is that anyone can can beat anyone. I know it hasn't maybe bit felt like that with Liverpool and Man City over the last few years, but does seem like this season most teams go into any game thinking they've got a chance, and we obviously we've seen that with Leeds. Leads plenty this season. They've, they've taken it to both Liverpool and and Man City. I know Villa had won all their games, and in, in that respect, it was a bit of a surprise. But I don't think anyone would would be too surprised that Leeds were able to do that to them. Uh, but obviously, as we'll get onto, it, it could have been such a different game if if certain chances had been taken. Do you think some of the surprises? Well, as you say, Aston Villa had a one hundred percent record prior to the game. The fact that they'd kept clean sheets in three of those four games as well previously. Oh yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm. I'm not sure many people would have been uh, placing Aston Villa as the beacon of defensive responsibility in the Premier League with all we've seen this season. They're, yeah, they've they've been ridiculously well improved from what they what they achieved last year. Uh, it's mad to think that they stayed up on the last day of the season, and if they'd lost to us down there, they would have been relegated. So, yeah, it's it's been wild, but then. Shows how good a, a job Dean Smith has done. I was obviously 
not sure that he, he necessarily had it in him to take Villa to the next level. And then it's still early days, but the Sun's uh, the Sun's been really good. It, even taking this game out of the equation, I think if he'd offered uh, Villa twelve points from their opening five games, they'd um, they'd probably woken up thinking they're dreaming. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that there's there's ripping ripping your hand off, and then there's actually Aston yeah, Villa's yeah. situation after four games. Absolutely, but full credit to Leeds and, and one man in particular. I'm just going to jump straight in with the pun. We've got to call him Hattrick Bamford, haven't we? Uh, oh, <laughs> I could not say that, could I? Uh, do you know what? I, I, I know we've got a pun for later, but I, had, I didn't even think of Hattrick Bamford and that. It's got to be, um, yeah. Uh, it, I feel I feel shocked. <laughs> just straight in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pat, Patrick Bamford with, with a hat-trick. When he was in the championship with Leeds, and this was genuinely generally accepted, wasn't it, where he wasn't the best finisher uh, around in the championship with Leeds. But I think I saw a stat where six goals from 22 shots so far, whereas last season it was around 16 goals from over 100 shots. He's just, he's just been so much more efficient so far, hasn't he? No, it is weird how that works, but it's probably, there's a lot less pressure on him to score goals in the Premier League as there, as there was in the championship. He's always sort of been that perennial maybe too good for the championship but not quite Premier League standard and he's definitely taken a step up um I don't know about you but I'm not sure I would have predicted him to get six goals all season no. six in his first six it, it reminds me of it will remind me of my horrendously awful prediction at the start of last season where I didn't think Timu Puki would get five and then he actually scored five <laughs> in his first three games before yeah, obviously I, I, I can't, I can't work out with Bamford and, and you've you got to think as well those Leeds fans basically having street fighters when they signed Jean-Kevin Augustin, uh, yeah. thinking that he'd be replacing Bamford and where well, he never got, never got a sniff. Eddie and Ketia previously never got a sniff. But we've seen before when managers have that faith in players, um, invariably they get rewarded for that, that faith. And Bamford's certainly doing that now. Yeah, I was thinking, because it, it, it's a fact that Biel just absolutely loves Bamford, isn't it? And I think it was last season or, this, or the season before, I can't remember when it was exactly, but there was a clip of Leeds United training and Bamford scored a goal pretty much if you combined De Canio and Van Basten, you know, Van Basten's iconic goal Oh, together. I know what you mean. Yeah. It was like he puts it in the far corner on the volley and Bielsa runs over to him and gives him a massive hug and that was just a goal in training. About, he ran about 20 hours, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Open arms, just giving him a massive hug. Um, but they, they were three very different goals as well, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, and on Bielsa, I mean, that that's the sort of man management. The best managers know how to, to treat certain players and Bamford's clearly one who needs an arm around the shoulder. Uh, and to do that, I mean, how much confidence would that give you? <laughs> See a manager running, well, uh, almost a pensioner running 20 yards <laughs> to give you a hug after scoring a goal in training. No, it's, it, uh, I mean, it's just, it's all a completely brilliant story. But yeah, I mean, the third goal is uh, a proper striker's finish. Obviously, the, the first one, he's just in the right place at the right time, sweeps it in. The second one, the deflection, I'm not sure it would uh, get the deviation of the ball without that. But the third one, when he's just surrounded by defenders and he mm-hmm. just takes his time, picks a spot and it goes straight to the top corner. Uh, yeah. it, it was the finish of uh, a man who is brimming with confidence. And if it, it Leeds are, well, I mean, they, uh, I don't think anyone thinks Leeds are going to be in trouble. But again, it, it's only a few weeks in and, and it's quite easy for this one Premier League. But he's going to be key to, to whatever success they have. And at the minute, well, the, the sky's going to be the limit for him. The, the second goal, I, as you say, I appreciate how the deflection, it it was, felt like such a weird technique because the way he struck it was almost towards the corner flag, but then curled back in. But it doesn't even look like he's, he's sort of put that much into it, does it? It's kind of no. just like a like a, like a finish. Yeah. Uh, it's just, well... Like you, you know the, you know the passes where you cut across the ball? It's like he's just done that from 20 yards. Yeah, yeah. But again, uh, I think we'll, we'll agree that it, it probably wouldn't have done that without the deflection, but uh, how composed he was in that position. Uh, despite, again, having the pressure of defenders around him and he just wasn't phased and, and got on with it. I dare say he wouldn't have been doing that last year. But in fact, I mean, I looked at his stats earlier and I couldn't believe he scored 16 goals last season. I, I seem to remember him having sort of struggles for a lot of it. And uh, as I said before, there was a lot of clamour for him not to even be in a team. The 16 goals in the bad return and he's certainly building that now. And it, you've got to think at 27, he's coming into the peak of his powers. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've, as you say, with his age, I don't know whether... England calls are out of the question or not, but uh, you know, there's just so much competition, isn't there, really? Well, if Kevin Davis can do it. <laughs> um, Bobby Zamora. Right, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's many we can go to. Just one more one more line on Leeds, and I think this this is more about Bielsa than anything else. Pascal Struick started the game, 
Calvin Phillips is out for about a month and a half or so with it with an injury. But he got booked, and then after 21 minutes, Bielsa substituted him for Jamie Shackleton. At this level, it was clearly a bold call from Bielsa to think I've got to make a tactical change. You know, the fact that Stuart had been on a yellow card anyway, but that just kind of emphasizes how ruthless Bielsa is, isn't it? Well, as I said, but the best managers have to be that ruthless. Um, you can't leave him on there if he's on a yellow card and puts, puts the rest of the team in danger, really. Uh, obviously, it's pretty galling for that to happen to any player. Such an but early yellow team, as well. I think it was first five minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, exactly. The, t- the team has to come first and it paid off. We had a similar thing at Everton with Moyes Keane when he came on briefly against Man United last year and got hauled off. But it is what it is. Uh, the, t- the team has to come first and it certainly worked. And uh, I, I, I do like managers who are not not afraid to, to take those kind of decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, if they've got beat and Shackleton had a, a shocker, then uh, I'd say that the headlines might have been very different, but they have to run that risk and it paid off. I mean, I know we're obviously uh, down in League Two, but I know Tram made a double substitution at half an hour the weekend oh. and, uh, and and they, they won uh, 2-0. Um, on Aston Villa now, it could have all been so different, couldn't it, if... Uh, if Ailing hadn't cleared it off the line from Jack Grealish, and there are still positives to take for Aston Villa, aren't there? Oh, definitely. I, I, I mean, the disappointing thing would be that they've beaten Liverpool and they've beaten Leicester away, and they're two games that you'd say they, they have, well, normally no chance in. So then to go and you, know, you go into a game that you're expected to win, and you get beat like that, I mean, it, it's going to be disappointing. But in, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, if, if Grealish scores. That and then the solo running as later. He beat um, about four players but, and then yeah, Meslier makes it. It's almost a great like save. he just did just just did kind of too much and ended up made, the only thing he could do was basically fire at Melier. But yeah, I, I think Villa fans can obviously still be very happy about what they've achieved so far and what was it like half the ball away uh, when yeah. Ailing cleared it off the line. Oh, if we're going back to FPL Grealish, oh I could have all been so so different. <laughs> uh, for anyone that hasn't seen the second opportunity for Grealish. Like imagine Payet's goal against Borough a couple of years ago. Just except yeah. it, except it wasn't finished. It was very, very similar. I saw as well. It's it's a bit interesting, isn't it? Where Martinez has had to make six saves in the game with Leeds you know, ultimately winning three 0 but having to make six saves could tell a little bit of a story, isn't it? I mean, Villa. We don't know what their ambitions are this season. In I don't know if their ambitions have changed much after their start, but they'll want a few more quieter days uh, in the games coming up, weren't he, against the likes of Southampton and Burnley? Yeah, definitely. And on, <clears throat> on Martinez, obviously, he did have that shocker against Fulham that he got away with. I, I know in the main he's been good, but again, he, he's very poor for that first goal just to push it straight back into the open like that. It's got to get it safe. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, Leeds are a free-flowing team. They, they're going to make chances against everyone in the league, as they have done. They've showed that already. So I don't think there'll be too much concern. With regards to the season, I think Durham has to be the same, the same, get safe and then move your ambitions up accordingly because we saw Bournemouth start so well last year. I'm sure they were in the top four uh, after a few games. They beat us and they beat Southampton. Uh, they beat Southampton on a Friday night and then yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm 99% sure they were up there and obviously you just completely fell off a cliff after that. And it, it does, it, it's happened before. So uh, they have to sort of keep their feet on the ground. But with the squad they've got, um, I, I don't think there'd be any in any danger of relegation unless they just completely imploded. So, yeah, I mean, you never know. And, and if they keep winning games and they keep scoring goals, I know they didn't against, against Leeds, but obviously uh, seven against Liverpool. If they can do that to them, then there's no reason why they can't beat any team in the league. And the next game we're going to touch on is uh, Southampton 2, Everton 0 on the Sunday. Everton, the Premier League leaders, losing their unbeaten run with uh, both Richarlison and Coleman obviously not featuring through suspension and injury, respectively. H, what what are your thoughts on the game overall? Uh, Awful, to be honest. (laughs) It was, uh, you can see it, I mean... Nice and simple, just awful. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, You can see it it coming. I mean, our record at Southampton is... um, abhorrent to be honest we've won there twice since 2002 that tells you everything and yeah, yeah we started fairly brightly obviously Sigurdsson at the bar Hammers has the free kick that goes straight at McCarthy but 
yeah, when, when Romeo had the shot and Pickford, it was a good save from Pickford and 22 seconds later, he's picking the ball out of his net and, I, and maybe it's harsh. I think he he could do slightly better with the Wolf Prowse goal. It's not, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's not in. It's not in the corner. I know. It, I know. It's he's smashed it, but it's. It, well, no, he makes himself I, a little bit bigger, I, maybe. I don't I've know. I've watched it back on highlights, and the, you know, first of all, it's not going to be a Pickford bashing session. But no, 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 not it, it was. It was so strange in that his arm when when he takes the shot, his arm was almost at a ninety degree angle, if you like, in terms yeah. of like an L shape, and then he extends it instead of just extending it immediately. And I just, I just thought it was a bit of a weird technique. Yeah, I mean, it's well, clearly not the, the, his most grave area this season, but I just thought he might have done slightly better. And then obviously the second one's deflected, but I mean, take the red card out of it, and they, I, I still don't think we scored. I thought Southampton were by far the better team. They've they've shown they can be decent size before, and and I think I think they've got a near fifty percent record uh, since the Leicester. Yeah, well, it was a year, last ten, year, wasn't it? Yeah. I know um, Joey won't, won't thank us for mentioning that, but that, 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 that that's going to be in a in a question. It just showed, doesn't it? But I mean, and and, and, yeah. and most clubs would have would have panicked at the time and got rid of Hasn't and they yeah. haven't. I know they've still had some weird results in there. Obviously, the Spurs one recently springs to mind, but they're continually showing that they can come back from adversity, and they've got a, a very dangerous side. They're very hard to play against, and and Hasn't got his spot on uh, against Everton, and well, again, they're, well, they're only three points off the top. Yeah, there's so many teams in that. Really it's weird how compact strange, it is. Yeah, strangely congested top half. Um, just on Everton, would you say that the game almost emphasised the importance of Richarlison? Yeah, well, I think there was a stat in commentary that I think he's missed five games or so since we signed him and we haven't won any of them. I should say one of those was against Huddersfield at home as well. So, that I mean, it's not like he's missed games against Man City and Liverpool and, and we've not won. Yeah. We missed, he missed a game against one of the worst teams in... Premier League history in that 18-19 season and we didn't win that so when you replace him with Alex Awobi as well when you've got Anthony Gordon who looked bright when he came on yeah, um, and he's more similar to Richarlison than, than Bernard or Awobi uh, I know he didn't particularly do much but the game was kind of gone when he when he came on uh, but it's just one of those days and again as I said with Villa if you'd offered Everton fans 13 points from six at the start of the season they'd have absolutely ripped your hand off I certainly would and top as well still top so yeah. Um, there's no time to be sort of moping about it. We lost, we lost to a better side on the day and you pick yourselves up and, and the best teams come come back from that and we've got a good chance to do that against Newcastle. A lot of important perspective, as you say there, and you mentioned the young players, Anthony Gordon um, in, in particular. Everton are set to be forced into arguably fielding a youngster at uh, left-back against Newcastle. Um, Niels and Kunku, who you, know, you show them glimpses of brilliance in, in the League Cup games that, that he's played in. Uh, that's due to obviously the, the Luca Dean red card. I've had confirmation today that it won't be a three-match ban. It'll instead be a one-match ban, so it'll only be the Newcastle game that he's missing. What are your thoughts on the red card overall? I'm kind of on the fence with it, to be honest. I know um, normally I'll have a proper opinion, but I can see why it was given as a red card because visually it wasn't um, <clears throat> wasn't particularly impressive when you run out, when you have a swipe at someone then run after them, whether you put your hands in the air or not. And then you end up stepping on them, and their leg slides along the floor. Yeah, and it, 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 it didn't was, look great, did it? No, it didn't. But and it, it was clearly a complete accident. There's no way he's meant to do that. Um, which is why I can see the argument that you would say, well, it it maybe should have just been a yellow card because he's not gone to do that at all. Which is obviously we have what we had with Son last year on Andre Gomez when his red card was re- rescinded. I think a one-game ban's fair. I think three would have been excessive because it it wasn't like he's gone to do him or, or a nasty tackle like Richarlison had on Thiago last week. I think it was just a, a complete accident. But yeah, uh, one game ban's probably fair. Focusing on Southampton, as you say, fully deserved the win. And yet another result that just shows their improvement a year on from that result. Don't worry, Joey, we won't, we won't say the scoreline. Um, but again, as you say, so many clubs would have just clicked the fingers, sacked the manager and moved on. How much respect does Hassan Hull deserve for how he's got Southampton playing? Loads. Uh, they're, they're, they're a decent side to watch, to be honest. They're very busy. They've got a lot of neat, rapid players. Ings and Adams up front can both move. They'll give problems to anyone. Uh, not the tallest by any means, but they can get them behind and, and cause all sorts of problems. More prowls in midfield. He seems to have improved vastly under Hassan Hull. He's got more to his game. And then Bertrand and Walker-Peter at fullback. They've got pace. They've got skill. And then... 
Uh, well, they obviously had uh, Vestergaard and Bednarek against us at centre half, and I'm not sure how many bigger centre half pairings yeah. there'll be in the league. But very difficult to play against. And um, the improvement is uh, is astounding, to be honest. It's um, pretty amazing what he's done. And it's not like this is an isolated incident. When we played them at the back in the last season, I know it was a different Everton, but they battered us that day at Goodison. They could have been six or seven one. How we got a point out of that game, I have no idea. But yeah, they fully deserve the win on Sunday. And I thought they were excellent. And again, they're one of the teams where you're thinking, can you get into that top eight and start pushing towards Europe? And you mentioned um, this player in particular. There's so much of the attacking focus is on Danny Ings, of course, having a fantastic year last year. And he's got a couple of goals this year, scored on his England, uh, or scored in his England return, shall we say, as well. But Che Adams, I mean, it might have taken a 40 yard goal to get off the mark against Manchester City but nevertheless since then he has he has shown a lot more confidence hasn't he? Yeah and again I think that's down to the manager because there was all that pressure and they paid a decent amount of money for him and he hadn't scored and it would have been very easy to just drop him and say listen you've had your chance you've done but Hasenu kept the faith he kept playing him and again he's reaping the rewards for that now it would be interesting to see what happens if if things were to get injured and how that would affect him I think they'd, they'd lose a serious amount of confidence not, not to say they're a one-man team by any stretch but I mean, that is their most potent we- uh, weapon gone. Yeah. So they, they work very well together. As I say, you know, they, they both get around the pitch plenty and it's not like they just stick to one side, one position. They, they can move about and they're very, very difficult to deal with for any any defenders. And yeah, it would just be interesting to see if, it, if, they, if they can keep him fit, then they've got a right chance of, of being there or thereabouts. But if he was to get injured, well, they, they, that team certainly looks a lot less threatening, doesn't it? Yeah, and I realise in a question when I asked it earlier about uh, Martinez coming up against Southampton uh, in Villa's next game, I thought I might have sounded a bit disrespectful to Southampton, to be honest with you, because uh, the meeting between the two at, um, at Villa Park almost, all of a sudden becomes a little bit tasty, doesn't it? Yeah, well, Southampton will, will go above them with a win and, and Villa will put some breathing space between them two if, if they can win. So yeah, it it looks a, a rough up again. Two te- two teams who are attacking teams, and and they'll both try and win the game. And I'm looking forward to that. To be fair, I think, I think there's some decent games this weekend. Obviously, none of the well, Man United Arsenal side, none of the the real headline acts. But there's a lot of interesting games this weekend where you're looking can either side could win this. You're listening to Matchday FM. I did look at one stage, we'd maybe have four teams. Battling it out for uh, for Champions League place on the final day. Obviously, Chester. Sorry, yeah, Chelsea. Chester. <laughs> I know. I know. Right, it's the worst, uh, uh, participation yeah. in this Premier League. <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Leicester, oh. Manchester United. Start again. That's yeah. going in a sting. I don't care. Banter, debate, and the odd good point too, right here on Matchday FM. And the final game that we're going to focus on uh, for this episode of Prem Talk is Burnley nil Tottenham 1. It was the last game of the weekend, and the reason why we're going to focus on it, H, is because those two are at it again. Gil Minson and Harry Kane combining yet again this season. Just remarkable Start. It's, it's the ninth time already so far this season that they've combined for a Premier League goal. It's it's incredible, isn't it, Emilio? I know we've seen iconic partnerships in the past, and we're going to focus on some uh, in a moment. But the connection the two have, it's it's almost telepathic, isn't it? Yeah, and, and they they link so well because they offer completely different things. Kane has added that that vision and and the the passing to his game, and he he looks up well. A complete striker, except he can't move. If he could move, he'd be in, well, even more incredible than he already is. Um, yeah, because you, you, you pointed a... that out on the um, preview with Spurs. You were saying yeah. the one thing he doesn't have in his game is pace. And it's almost like he's adapted his game to that, knowing yeah. that Son has the pace. Well, he, exactly. And he was asked last night on Monday uh, night whether it was a, a sort of ploy for Mourinho to get him to drop deeper. And he said it kind of was, yeah. And, and fair play to Mourinho for spotting that he could do that. And it makes him so much harder to play against. Um, I've been I've been really impressed with with Kane. I know Son's getting sort of more of the goals at the minute, but uh, again, these are two players at 27 and 28 who are coming into their prime, and they could sort of take spares anyway. I mean, it wasn't a good game by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was. I think Son's goal was his 
was their first shot on target. Maybe their only shot on target. But yeah, the best teams win those games when they're not necessarily their best. And when you've got two players who um who can produce that kind of magic, you you're going to be a threat to to anyone. And um, those are probably historically the games that Spurs haven't done as well in uh, against the likes of of Burnley, who'll make it really difficult. And yeah, it was um an important win for them to bounce back from the uh, the West Ham debacle. And there was that moment as well when uh, Son says to Kane, well, "Did you get the assist?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." And then there's just uh, the, the the embrace after the goal, and it came as well after Kane had done a shift at the other end uh, as well. And it was a bit of an educated risk, wasn't it? Because he completely left it. I think it was Josh Brownhill left his marker alone, but um, obviously did the right thing getting back on the line. It's, it's like the the Grealish one off the line we were speaking about before. It's weird how. One little incident and the game's so different. And, and these Premier League games are really on a knife edge. But that uh, that's just awareness as well. Um, <clears throat> you either have that or you don't. You can't teach that. And, and use his initiative to get back on the line cleared it well. And, yeah, you'd have to say there was only ever going to be one goal in that game. So whoever got it was going to win. Uh, it wasn't free-flowing attacking football from Burnley, as, as we've come to expect. But that's they've, they've got the best out of the system and they've, they've got results and performed well previously. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Just supposed to win that kind of game uh, that they, they hadn't necessarily done that win in the past. Uh, they've got to be looking up now. I know they spoke again on Monday Night Football about can they win the league? Well, in this season, of all seasons, with what we've kind of seen so far, you'd have to put them in the mix. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you that actually, but I didn't know whether I was being disrespectful to the other teams we've already talked about in terms of not mentioning them as, as title contenders, like for example, Everton, the top of the table. But as you say, with Spurs, you just feel like a few things could be clicking. And as you say, in this season of all seasons, I can't see a team, unless a team really adapts to the way the league is going, would you be surprised if a team got to 90 points? No, I mean, I've, I've spoken to, uh, to a few people about this. I, I I think we won't see anything like the kind of points tallies we've seen from City and Liverpool over the last few years. I think if you get to 85, you'll probably win it this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just with how difficult it's all been. Um and the, the packed schedule for clubs in Europe, and, and then there's the League Cup and the FA Cup, and you've got to balance all of that. And uh, teams look more vulnerable. I mean, if you, at the minute, if, if Spurs are playing City, I, 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 I'd fancy Spurs to beat them. Yeah. And, and what, what I've seen from City. Um, and then Liverpool, I know they won, but wasn't, they weren't quite at the level that they, they were against Everton. So there's little signs that you know, these teams can be got at. It's, it's wide open this year. And Spurs have certainly got the players in the squad and definitely the manager to be able to go for it. And I think overall, it'd be nice to see an enthralling and competitive Premier League, wouldn't it? After you know a few years who, where we have had one or two run away with it. Well, I mean, I'm sure you'd be happy for Liverpool to get to win a Panther. But yeah, it, it was always the case, wasn't it? Where it was two or three teams, certainly two. And, and that two would change. Well, invariably it was... Man United, but then it came Man City and Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea. And the odds, not you, you got three in there. But yeah, exactly what we need. And when you look at the other leagues in Europe, and it's just the same winner churned out year after year in Bayern Munich and Juventus and PSG. That's the beauty of the Premier League. And it would be nice to see some other teams in there uh, and give, give those, I mean, obviously with all the project big picture stuff, give those teams something to think about, show that they don't have the divine right to be there. I'm not for one second saying that Everton they're going to be in the, in the mix-up to, to win the league. But if they can just somehow put that together and just give them a little shake-up ahead of next year when things will hopefully be back to normal, it'll just change the picture of the league a little bit. So now we'll, we'll have a discussion about when you look at the history of duos in, in, in the Premier League. I've, I've, I've got here the, the top five combined uh, duos in terms of goals and assists uh, to each other in Premier League history. Fifth is Darren Anderton and Teddy Sheringham. Uh, at Spurs. And then you've actually got three tied on 29. You've got Son and Kane, David Silva and Sergio Aguero, uh, Robert Perez and Thierry Henry. Out on out on their own is a Didier Drogba and Frank Lampard, although you do anticipate uh, that record might not last too much longer with the way uh, Kane and Son are going on with it. Where do you rank Kane and Son in terms of Premier League duos? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's not something you generally think about in players assisting and scoring for each other. I mean, the one that stands out there is, is sort of David Silva and Aguero because David Silva's never been a prolific goal scorer. I know he's chipping with a few, 
But you've got to think that is just him supplying Aguero time after time after yeah. time. Sort of like, like as was record for Ronaldo at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it was an astonishing number of assists he gave Ronaldo. But yeah, I mean, as you said, the stats speak for themselves. They're there for a reason. They're, they're second in, in that list for a reason. And the Premier League's been going for, well, in its form, uh, obviously the records are based on, for, for three decades or thereabouts. And to be, to be second in it, it shows you how dead they are. But it's just a perfect blend of a sort of natural ability and then the pace to get in behind. Um, and they work so well together and, and they're a threat. They're a massive threat. It feels like Drogba and Lampard should have had more just for how long they played together. I know Chelsea. I know there was a lot more goal threat at Chelsea than you could argue there, there is at Spurs currently. But it, I, I almost expected them to have more combined, if that makes sense, uh, Drogba and Lampard. I mean, the, the one yeah, that springs to mind, was it, is it, was it Spurs with the Lampard outside the foot pass to Drogba? When, when you look at duos that aren't on that list, who, who sticks out for you? That's tough. Um... I'm not sure to be honest. I mean, I've, you, got, you, I've got three I, here. Of, I've got three yeah, of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, I, I mean, that Arsenal team with the sort of Burkamp and Henri. Um, yeah, you'd think they'd be supplying plenty to each other. Um, Gerard and Torres, maybe. I've got yeah, I've got them. Torres, yeah. yeah, I know Torres wasn't there for for a particularly long time to sort of get on that list, but again, that was that was a that was a well a bang average team. With with two unbelievable players in it, I know Javi Alonso was in there. Take him out, but the rest of it, um, I'm sure you'll admit, it was um, pretty 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 bang average, um, and it relied heavily on Gerard and, and Torres for goals. So you would have thought them too. Ronaldo and Rooney. I've got them as well. Yeah. <laughs> this is getting to the point where I ask you to guess yeah. my third one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like I like you unveil the the, uh, the third one. Uh, I had Cole and York. As, uh, yeah. as as the, yeah. as the third. One. I mean, may, maybe I know there was that iconic goal of the new camp, wasn't there? I was trying to think of some unsung partnerships as well, and two kind of came to my head. I'm sure you'll you know, affectionately remember the first one of these. I know Baines and Pienaar down the left-hand side for Everton. Oh, yeah, the glory uh, days. The, 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 the partnership between those two, it, it was brilliant on the Moyes, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, they just had the... It was just a complete... They knew what each other were going to be doing, where they were, without even having to look, and... Oh, it's remarkable, and to, to do it for so long as well. I know P and I was at, went to Spurs um, for a year and a half, or a year, sorry, in between. But even when when P and I came back, it was just it was there instantly again. And um, I'm not sure we'll see anything uh, of that like uh, for Everton for, for some time. I know Dean and Richarlison are, are unbelievable, but different kind of players to Baines and P and I, and certainly in in a, in a much different Everton team. The other unsung one I thought of it was based off one season, to be honest with you. But Leicester fans will very affectionately remember Shinji Okazaki for his partnership with Jamie Vardy, weren't they? Sure. It was Vardy doing all... You know, Vardy, you know, he got most of the glory, didn't he? But without Okazaki, you could argue it really wouldn't have worked that well. The amount of, I still can't really believe that whole season happened. Like That, that <laughs> yeah. seems like that whole season was just a weird... A weird yeah. um, uh, uh, just imagined. We imagined all of that. It didn't really happen. We started... We, we, Started 2015. That season was just uh, we dreamed it up, and then we got back, got back um, into the swing of things the year after. But yeah, I mean, I, I just always remember Okazaki with that over a kick against Newcastle. Yes, just, uh, just a the most aesthetic. I know it wasn't fire out or anything like that, but it was just the most aesthetic bicycle kick you'll ever see. Just perfectly like straight, uh, straight as a gun barrel. Um, what a signing that was as well. I'm not, I think he was he was cheap as chips, wasn't he? Yeah, it was ab- absolute buttons from uh, from German football. Bringing it back to the present, just looking at uh, at Burnley before we move on. Are you struggling to see the light at the end of the tunnel at the moment? I know they're struggling with injuries, didn't have a great transfer window, but it it, it feels they might struggle a little bit more this year. I'm not saying go down, but not as comfortable as they have been in recent years. Well, they seem to. They obviously had the season where they qualified for Europe in 17-18, and then I, I remember the year after they obviously didn't end up qualifying for the Europa League. But then they were around Christmas. They were they were near the bottom. Horrendous start. Yeah. Win. yeah, and then they just somehow started to go on a run after that, and went unbeaten for a while, and were were nowhere near trouble in the end. And obviously last year they picked up really well from sort of the turn of the year to the end of the season. Uh, I think there's bigger problems there than just say a poor transfer window. Um, uh, it's well documented that Sean Dyche needs or wants more back in, and he certainly 
take him to the next level. One, he needs more backing, but two, he needs to change his style of play. And that's not to knock Burnley or, or Dice. I mean, the, the job he's done there is incredible. To turn them into an established Premier League club and the, the, the facilities they've got there now, um, it's top draw. But you're not going to regularly push for the top half and, and not be in trouble if you're going to play that style of football. Um, Stoke did it. Stoke were an established Premier League club and they never changed that style and in the end it got them. And you'd have to say, I mean, I think they're certainly three West teams in Burnley and they've got enough in them to get out of trouble with the, with the experience they've got. But if they if they really want to push on, there's no way you can play the kind of football they do. I mean, it's just, it's hitting hope to really become or take, take the next step. You can't do that just hoofing and hoping and trying to win headers against St. Ours. Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM. There's three little letters that we haven't managed to mention, incredibly, so far in this episode. Uh, V-A-R. Yourself, uh, H, when we were talking about it earlier on today, uh, I think... That'd be quite a good section, a uh, good feature for these episodes. Var- the varsical section. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're welcome for that one. Yeah, it's got a nice ring to that. You should you should trade <laughs> We've got a few here, and even you, you yourself, you brought up uh, some some other ones earlier on. Um, we'll start with the penalty for Sheffield United at Anfield. For yourself, correct call or not? I think it's just on the line. Um, and on the line, well, which, nowadays means penalty, which would make then... which 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 makes it a penalty. And the line, the line would be maybe that's one of the ones where you could say uh, Mike Dean gave a free kick, didn't he, initially? Yeah. So maybe you could say, well, um, that's not clear and obvious. Maybe we should just let the referee have, have dealt with it himself. Because but, I mean, by by the letter of the law, it, it probably is a penalty. It, it appears. From most angles you watch it, the Fabinho gets the ball as well. I know, I know it's by the by, but there were so many rumours about what VAR had actually been checking. There was yeah. one where they hadn't actually been checking if it was a foul. There were one, of, there was some that had only been checking checking where the incident took place. Um, and it's it's at the point now. I think it's generally accepted where the technology isn't the or well, in some circumstances, the technology isn't the issue. It's the people using yeah. it where. Just some consistency is all we ask for. You've got the same... The problem is you've got the same people in watching the screens that were on the pitch and making the mistakes in the first place. So that isn't going to change. I mean, the whole thing with VAR was... And, and I'm, I mean, I know we were pretty vocal in calling for it uh, initially. And, and it was needed and it is needed. But the way it's run... I mean, what they said was it'd be minimal, minimal interference and it'll only be used when the referee's made a clear and obvious error. Now, some of the stuff we've seen... Well, particularly this season, but also last season, they're interfering when there's not a clear and obvious error. I mean, that, like I say, it probably is a penalty. I think I think it was on the line, but that's not clear and obvious. And there's been other penalties this year. I mean, um, we're about to touch on one, yeah, don't yeah. you worry? Well, we can exactly. Yeah, well, there's been loads this year where there's been the handball stuff. Um, with one for Southampton, the Southampton one against Spurs, where it's just ridiculous. The Doherty hand, handball. Um, it's just not it's not clear and obvious. It's not a clear error, and yet they get involved. So that's that's the frustration. According to VAR, there is a new rule in football that we had no idea had been introduced, H, and that is you can now get players in a headlock with no punishment. Well, I mean, I know that rule existed in 2007. <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> Jamie Carragher did it to Jolie and Lescott in the last minute, but we don't have to go into that. Um, how, can, how can you... Just uh, uh, just literally manhandle someone round the neck, yeah, and not be a penalty. I mean, how long did they even look at it for? I I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I got I'm reviewed. not sure they, I'm sure they even looked. Yeah, I'm not even sure they looked. But it. for anyone uh, that hasn't I, seen it, it's Harry Maguire on it on Cesar Aspilicueta in the Man United Chelsea game. But it's, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's like straight out of WWE. <laughs> it's not not even a joke. It is. I, I hope Ben's it's listening insane. to this. He'll appreciate that. Well, uh, well I mean, yeah. Warning. Um, <laughs> It's nuts. How can that not be a pen? I mean, we don't even need to talk about that one for that long. That's that's insane. Yeah. You you cannot grab someone around the neck and, and, and get away with it. When when they, stop, when they reviewed the, when they reviewed the, the Cante yeah. on Rashford one about five or six times. Oh yeah, 
Thomas Suchek. Uh, Man City players might think he got away with one in uh, the build-up to West Ham's goal at the weekend. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that one? And secondly, regardless of whether or not he handled it or not, I've watched it back a few times. I've got no idea what Cancelo's doing. Just stares at Suchek while he's going to retrieve the ball. Well, I mean, I've watched it on a loop, trying to pick out the the handball. And there's one there's one angle on a photo where it looks like he's handballed it, but from every other one, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, like, it looks like it's coming from Nate. But then he did give a bit of a shady interview afterwards, where it was kind of like the old, you know, Arsene Wenger, I didn't see it kind of thing. Yeah. It was like, oh, maybe it didn't hand. Yeah. I'm not sure. Thomas, it'd be more like you didn't yeah. feel it, mate. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I I personally didn't think there was anything wrong with that one, but um, well, it was everything wrong with what Cancelo was doing, but uh, not necessarily what Suchek did. And one you brought up as well, which I didn't quite realise how farcical it was until farcical. yeah, farcical, of course, until you show me an angle. Lacazette's disallowed goal against Leicester for Xhaka being in the goalkeeper's eyesight. I don't think you get many worse decisions all season. I, I, yeah, I, as you say, the, the the only angle I saw made it look like Jack was stood in front of him. But the angle you yeah. showed me was he was about two yards away. He's nowhere near him. He's nowhere near him. And they, and they never showed that angle from behind the goal to the VAR. It was only the side on one where it looks like he's, he's in front yeah. of him. But even still, that angle, I mean, when they got disallowed, it's like when it's from a corner, I can be offside. And, then, and they showed that. And I watched it five or six times thinking, what, what's the issue? And then obviously it came out that it was Jack or interfering with play. By being stood five, like three or four yards out, which Mike was way and not in his line, line of sight whatsoever. I mean, that is, that is one of the worst decisions you'll, you'll see all season. That, that is just baffling. And again, another moment where we've talked about yeah. Grealish, we've talked about Tarkovsky, another moment where Arsenal go 1 0 up and all of a sudden it's a completely different game. And, and so early on, and, and the run that Leicester had been on in the league, well, they could have capitulated very easily. Uh, and with and with well half the team out as well, isn't it? So uh, that that's the problem. The fact that we've got officials making wrong decisions that, that could have such a big impact on a game and then the season. I mean, you, you'd think that Leicester and Arsenal will be in similar positions at the end of the season. How important could that be? That's a six-point swing. Join us next week for the next episode of Varsicle. Uh, <laughs> we feel I could have a little jingle for that. Um, Let's move on now to the predictions for game week seven in the Premier League. And we'll we'll touch on one, of, one or two of these games as well as we go through. Uh, starting with another Friday night game. It feels strange we've had two Friday night games and neither involve Leicester or West Ham, which uh, is a little bit weird uh, based, yeah. off, based off last year's season. They're the only by. team that has... Or Brighton, actually. Brighton seems to be Brighton, on Friday night quite a lot. Of course, yeah. Wolves versus Crystal Palace. Uh, this could be the worst game of all time. <laughs> After watching Wolves v Newcastle, which is currently the worst game of all time, that deserved no goals but got two, uh, and then also after watching Palace against Brighton at home last week when they had one shot on target, uh, one shot in the whole game, or one shot on target maybe in the whole game, and it was a penalty. This is just um, this is nil nil. If there's a goal in this, I'll be astounded. If if there's an ounce of entertainment in this, I'll be astounded. I take your nominations for worst game of all time, and I raise you West Ham West Brom from two thousand eight. My God, those are two hours I, of my life. I'm never I mean, I, I, uh, I can't say I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, take your word it, for it. It. <laughs> it was a mon- it was a Monday night. It was nil nil, and that's got all the hallmarks, hasn't it? Yeah, it just it was never going to go well, was it? I'm going to go for Wolves one, Crystal Palace nil, purely in the hope of some some Jimenez magic. And I really, well, both of us need it to be honest. Yeah, it would have been disastrous weekend if he hadn't scored. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, thank you very much, Raul. Thank you very much, Raul. I know he's a big fan of the podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, massive in Mexico. Indeed. Uh, moving on to the Saturday. First game, Sheffield United against Manchester City. Manchester City uh, in action in uh, just over an hour's time in, in France as we're recording this. This is a difficult one. I mean, I thought Sheffield United would go down at the start of the season, but they've shown a bit of life to me against Arsenal and Liverpool. Uh, particularly in the first half against Liverpool, when they're arguably unlucky not to extend the lead, and Man City just they just don't they don't look anywhere near the level they were a couple of years ago. Guardiola seems to have no intention of of leaving, but the money they've spent and they they seem to go backwards, not forward to me. I don't know I don't, don't know what you think, but he's, he's in um, uh, he's in the last year of his contract as well. 
Yeah, but I mean, all the sign. I thought I thought he was extending. To be honest, it's, it it's just feels like it's kind of a bit quiet, doesn't it? And I, I saw, yeah. um, I saw it was, it was Robbie Earl. He, he was saying he wonders if the hunger's there from Man City. You know, all yeah. they've achieved. He, he questioned whether some of them are up for the fight as much. I know it's a big, big question to ask, but when you have won so much and been so successful. With, you know, there's and one major the, prize that yeah. they want, of course, the, the champion. But the, dro- the, the drop off from 18, 19 to last year was um, was troubling, you'd have to say. And uh, they don't look to have picked a bit up this year. I'll stick my neck out. I'll go 1 0. Ooh, so a, a point for a much needed point for Sheffield United, that would be. Uh, I just feel this has got a 2 1 written all over it for, for Manchester City uh, for that one. The three o'clock on Saturday is Burnley versus Chelsea. Yeah, massive game for. For both teams, I think they both need to win. I, I think there's enough about Chelsea. I know they were a bit timid against United, but I think they can win this. I think this will be two 0 Chelsea. I'm I'm going to go for another two one. I'm going to give I'm going to give uh, Burnley a chance, but Chelsea are just the, the firepower with Pulisic back. It means that Werner plays through the middle. The five the thirty on Saturday is Liverpool versus West Ham. And before I tell you this, H, I'm going to give you some some live information. On the, on the podcast because Liverpool's team all three rested. Li- Liverpool's team, yep, yeah, it's out for the uh, game against Michelin. All three are rested. Front three of Jota, Minamino, and Origi. I uh, don't know whether that uh, influences your thinking Jesus. at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no. Um, I, I think this would probably be closer than we would have said it would have been a few weeks ago. West Ham definitely looked to have more about them than than last year. Moyes seems to be working working away nicely there, and. I, I mean, I, I just think Liverpool are, are too good for most teams, to be honest. Uh, I'll go 3-1. I thought this earlier on uh, when I was thinking about um, my prediction for this one. It's quite funny when you look at West Ham's season so far. Lost lost the first two, won the next two, drew the next two. So well, what's going to happen now? If we're going by some sort of pattern, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I'm going to go for anyway. There you go. Um, Liverpool's record against West Ham at Anfield, it's... You know, it, 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 it's been very, very good uh, in recent years. I can remember one hiccup uh, in particular the, when they lost 3-0 in the start of 2015-16. Yeah, yeah. uh, Mark Noble, uh, Sacco, I think, scored that game. I think Lanzini as well, uh, if, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, I yeah, sad man. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I, re- I accept that fully. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for slightly more emphatic. Uh, with the front three rested, of course, they, they may need to come on uh, you know, at, at some point in the game tonight. But I will go for Liverpool four, West Ham United one. The first game on the Sunday is Aston Villa Southampton, which we, we've talked a little bit about already. But how do you see this going? Yeah, I think it's a good game. I, I think I think they're very two very closely matched teams on what we've seen. But I think there'll be goals. I'll go two all. The result from last year is just coming to my head because I remember Danny Ings scored twice. Uh, of Villa Park because it was during Southampton's really good form around Christmas time. Uh, if, if I remember, if I'm correct, I think this game was on my birthday last year. Now that would be nerdiness if I got that correct. <laughs> I, just, I don't know if be proud of I myself. Don't wanna, I don't, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. Um, yeah. You but do I, you. Yeah, I, you know, Villa will need to bounce back. Southampton looking to carry on. I'm going to give it to the Saints though for this one. I'm going to go another 2 1. I'm going to go 2 1 to Southampton. Newcastle versus Everton. Important for the Blues to bounce back, isn't it? Uh, massively. And yeah, the best teams have shown when they, they lose a game that they'll get straight back on the horse and be able to win one. Um, I record that Newcastle in recent years is better than what it had been. Uh, I know there was a period from 2000 to 2011 where we where we didn't win. Um, but we've won a few there recently, including a 3-0 few years back and um, won their last year, obviously, Ancelotti's first away game. Two yeah, Cavalier Cal- Cal- and double last day, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he scored, uh, I think he scored in his last three games against Newcastle. He's also scored at the tool that we don't need to talk about from January. <laughs> um, I think Newcastle always got a better chance against decent teams because they can just sit in and they're more than happy to sit in a circuit pressure and try and catch them on the break. I think Everton all will bounce back. I think this will be two on Everton. I think it'd be very interesting should Nkunku uh, play. I, th- I think it's a logical option to if you're looking for a left back for Nkunku to, to fill in that position. Be one hell of a test for him on a Premier League debut against Alan San Maximan, wouldn't it? I think Everton will ultimately be too strong for Newcastle. And again, I will. I, f- I feel like I'm saying 2 1 for everything here, but it just has the feel <laughs> of a 2 1. Uh, yeah. And that is what I'm going to go for uh, Newcastle 1, Everton 2. Uh, Manchester United, Arsenal. 
similar to United Chelsea last week, it's not the clash it once was, is it? No, and Sky are doing their best to drum up. Um, yeah, I saw that. The that other... interest with the uh, the montage they've done, the, the promo for it, it's um, it's kind of embarrassing to be honest. I mean, Aston won the league since two thousand and four. United haven't won it since twenty thirteen. Um, not what it was. Two teams are uh, quite some way from their former glories. I think it's fair to say. And it's interesting as well, isn't it? That of course I saw these stats. I remember coming out around the start of Klopp's tenure when Rodgers had won more games than Klopp at a certain point. Um, it, it got dragged up this week that that Arteta has less wins after 26 games than Unai Emery. I mean, how, how much do you read into that, really? Not too much, because Arteta inherited a bit of a mess, and he, he did so mid-season. When Emery came into the job, it was in the summer. He had a chance to get his ideas across, uh, bring his players in straight away, and, and Arteta didn't do that. Um, but the, the key thing as well is he's won a trophy. The FA, but winning the FA Cup, and they did it the hard way. They beat Man City and they beat Chelsea, and again he's beaten Liverpool in this time already. So the the signs are, are plenty good enough that you can disregard that statistic. Albeit you would be a little bit concerned about um, the last couple of results. And for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, there's a certain pressure on this game in that Manchester haven't won a single one of their first three home league games this season. I think it takes some research to find out when they last didn't win in their first four home league games of a season. But who would you say is under more pressure in this game? Uh, United. I, th- I think just. I mean, Arsenal, they've lost uh, lost a couple on the spin, so they need to bounce back from that. Um, and in sort of the manner of the Leicester game, where obviously they had a bit of adversity and then weren't able to bounce back from it. United are still in the bottom half and they need to get going. Obviously, they need to win at home. Arsenal haven't done well enough in these big away games in recent years, but for me, not, it, I can't imagine that they're not winning in the first four home games. Uh, and the pressure can crank up quite easily on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. If Arsenal win this, there's, there's clear daylight back to Man United. What's your prediction for this game? This is really tough. It, it really, um, I, <laughs> it's really I could, I could really say tough. I could say one thing now, and come the day of the game, I, I might have a completely different opinion. I have to sit on the fence and go one all. That was the score last year. Well, I remember with with a Bamiang score with Maguire's yeah. attempt at playing offside. Oh well, yeah, when he was yeah when he was uh, given offside by the linesman when he was about five yards onside, even yeah. though they're told not to flag unless it's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. Farcical. You ever well, seen the? Farcical in a good way. You ever seen Carrot yeah. and uh, Neville trying to uh, learn to be linesmen? How, how, how yes. tough it is, and just like yeah, yeah that 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 wasn't. If if, if you hadn't no, picked that up on the course, Absolutely you probably wasn't. would have been told to go home. I, I want to push for a winner here. And... Oh, well, I did, but I mean, I just, I just, either way, I think there's plenty of frailties on both on both sides. I'm going to push towards United on the off chance they get a penalty and Bruno sticks it away. Wow, they didn't. Well, they didn't have one in the last game, so you know, the, 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 <laughs> they do one. Definitely, definitely do one. I remember obviously that that famous game from 2000. And... Uh, 2004, when Manchester United won 2-0 to end Arsenal's unbeaten run. I'm going to go for a repeat. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go 2-0 to Manchester United. Next up on the Sunday night is Tottenham versus Brighton and Hove Albion, which could be a bit more straightforward, couldn't it? Yeah, I think it will be. I think we're starting to see that maybe all the praise that Brighton were getting at the start of the season. Um, is a little unjust. Uh, I think they've got the worst record of any team in the Premier League in 2020. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. It, I think they've won four game, games. It took four games all the year. Arsenal game in lockdown to win. Yeah, I think they've won four games all calendar year or, or something like that and battered West Brom in that first half and then didn't win the game. And it's very worrying and very damaging for players when you can do that, when you keep doing that. They were they were good against Everton in the first half and got, got stuffed. Chelsea, they were very good, got stuffed. Brighton, May United, they were very good and got beat. I mean, they give Graham Potter a very long contract. There's going to be expenses to pay off if this doesn't work out. And from what I've seen from Spurs, uh, I think there'll be plenty of goals. I, I think this might be a bit of a tonking, actually. I'll go I'll go 4 nil Spurs. Yeah, I was thinking uh, along the lines of quite a heavy Spurs win. I'm going to play I'm going to play the numbers game and I'll go for three. I'll go for uh, for three nil for Spurs there. Moving on to the Monday night, Fulham versus West Brom. Box Ooh, office. Yes. This this is worth the fourteen ninety five. This is what we paid for. <laughs> the proverbial six pointer early on. Yes. Uh, 
I well, Fulham have been absolutely disastrous, and they don't look like beating anyone. So um, I think West Brom have got a little bit more about them. Obviously, I know they imploded against Chelsea, but uh, they fought back against Brighton last night in the game. They they were well, they they offered nothing in face. They managed to get a point. Uh, I think West Brom will win this one 0 We play a, a family Super Six, and uh, it made me laugh when. Uh, my uh, my sister went for a three one Fulham win against Crystal Palace, and I just looked at her and said, "Why have you gone for a Fulham win? <laughs> Why do that to yourself?" I feel like sticking my neck out here, and just purely to get some points from Mitrovic before I say goodbye to him, because I don't know how he's lasted seven game weeks. To be honest with you, in my team, I'm going to go one one. I, I mind you, probably about five minutes into this game, I'll be thinking, "Why have I said goals?" And then the game to round off the week is Leeds at home to Leicester. Yeah, this is another one that I, I could see any result here. I'll go for two-one Leeds. I just I've been more impressed. I know I know Leicester have obviously went away at, at Man City and Arsenal, but I just kind of been more impressed by Leeds, certainly against the better sides. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go two-one Leeds. I am going to agree with you because two-one two-one is what I have down. Just because Leicester in the first half against Arsenal sat back so much, and I was a bit surprised by that. I felt I feel like if they sit back, I don't think they will sit back against Leeds. I don't think they will sit back as much. But if they do, I feel like Leeds are more likely to, to turn the screw than Arsenal yeah. the weekend. So I am going to go for 2 1 to Leeds there. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. So, H, we'll finish off the podcast with our weekly awards. They are player, performance, manager, and the goal of the week. We'll start off with uh, with player of the week. Who have you gone for? I think these are all relatively straightforward. Obviously, it would have to be Patrick or Hattrick. Bamford, I was going to say Hattrick. Get, get it right. Yeah. For that second half, uh, goal spree at Villa. Again, what, um, I can't believe he's scoring the goals. He has, but he's, he's clearly worked hard for Bielsa and he's getting the rewards now. Yeah, I'm going to go for Patrick Bamford as well, or Hattrick Bamford, of course. Uh, it's just kind of rude not to not to give uh, a player that's called a Hattrick Player of the Week. I know, uh, I think you did it on the second week, though, when you went, well, though, King got four assists, so uh, I, I completely understand yeah, that. Yeah. There's only been one game week so far with no Hattrick, which is... Uh, it is weird, isn't it? There just seems to be yeah. so many of them. Performance of the week, who have you gone for? Again, uh, I thought Southampton were the most impressive team uh, of the weekend for me, just, just the way they... Dominated. Everton were in the game for the first 20 minutes and then uh, after that, it was one-way traffic for the next 70. And obviously, being a year to the day uh, of that's defeat, so Joe doesn't get wound up, um, to, the, the strides they've, they've made in that time is uh, is remarkable. So, yeah, definitely, definitely Southampton. I'm going to go for Leicester. I'm going to go for Leicester at the Emirates for my performance of the week because in the first half... I just felt they they didn't do themselves justice in the first half. They sat really deep. Arsenal didn't make the most of it. Leicester really struggled to get out. When Vardy came on in the second half, changed the game. It gave Arsenal something to think about. And the goal ultimately came from a ball over the top, Cengiz under, keeping his composure and finding Jamie Vardy in the middle. And I wouldn't even call it a smash and grab because I wouldn't say Arsenal deserved to win the game. And I think Leicester did more than enough. So my performance of the week is going to go to the Foxes. Uh, Who's your manager of the week? Ralph Arsenal for everything I've just said. Obviously, we have a little bit of a joke with uh, Joe in the chat sometimes, calling him Ralph Hassan Fraudel, but um, he's been anything but in the last year, and, and the job he's doing there is remarkable. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that, Ralph Hassan manager of the week. And Joey put a little bit of pressure on us <laughs> earlier oh, yeah. on yeah, to, we'll to, to make sure. We'll if, you, if you need that bank details for the, uh, the bribes, Joey, let us know, mate. I'll, I'll happily accept that. But yeah, Ralph Hassan, or both of us. <laughs> this is interesting. Goal of the week. What have you gone for? Tom Kearney, because he managed to score against someone that wasn't Everton. Was that his first Premier League goal that wasn't against I, Everton? I'm, I, unless he scored more than one when Fulham last came up, I'm pretty sure. Because I remember, he, he I remember the whole one. Ever, Yeah, that was his first goal. And then he scored when, when Fulham beat us 2-0 in 2019. And I'm pretty sure that was his only goal that season. I might be wrong. Wow. I, I'm confident, fairly confident. That is very Everton. But I mean, it was, uh, that's, he's shown that plenty of times in the Championship. It's a great strike. Annoying because we obviously had Palace defenders and it costed a clean sheet. But um, yeah, arrowed into the top corner. Very, very good strike. It was annoying for you, but I loved it because I had full, I had Palace 2 1 on Super 6. It was fantastic. Ah, wow, well, there you go. <laughs> still, still five points. I know where. Uh, my <laughs> goal of the week, 
is Patrick Bamford's third against uh, Aston Villa. Yeah, fair enough. The, the, the pass into from Costa, he takes it into traffic, Bamford, with his first touch almost. Then he's got three defenders around him. And there's two goals in my mind that I kind of compare it to a little bit. The finish itself, I compare to uh, Bergkamp's third when he got the hat-trick against Leicester. The build-up to it, remember Johan Elmandes against Wolves all those years ago? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like a combination of those two goals in, in the one. The yeah. confidence of the man to score a goal like that. Absolutely fantastic from, from Hattrick Bamford. So, H, thank you very much for that. I've thoroughly enjoyed your, your company on this episode of uh, Prem Talk. Uh, I'm, no doubt you'll be on uh, in the near future as well. Of course, yeah. Uh, just to confirm as well, it was Tom Kearney's first Premier League goal that wasn't against Everton. Wow. <laughs> That 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 is incredible. Match that, FM bringing you all the stats, all the important stats. Absolutely. Why go anywhere else? Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Match Day FM Prem Talk. You can listen to all of our podcasts so far on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure as well to check out our social medias. Just search for Match Day FM on Facebook and Twitter. I've been Chris Coughlin. He's been Harry Reynolds. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>